Welcome back to Homespun Wisdom Talks with my neighbour, with myself, Sarah Sharman. And me, Daniel Confino. Yes, let him jump in because I would say I'm walking on eggshells. What are we talking about today, Daniel? Because I'm... No, no, yeah, we don't jump in like that. We have a chat, we settle down. Yeah, okay. And then we see what emerges from the fog of our conversation. Okay. And we don't have, yeah, we have a couple of things we could talk about. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've been cooking for you. It's yeah. a bit smoky in here, isn't it? It's a little bit smoky. This I couldn't is... resist. That. Went into an M&S, right? And they had those pointy peppers. Pointy peppers. Which I love making into my famous pepper salad. Mm. So I bought the entire, what they had left. I think it was like eight. And I've just been dealing with them in my cast iron frying pan, you know, wow. blackening off the skins. I bought my brother a cast iron frying pan for his yeah. birthday. Yeah. With a... When he kills his wife Mid. with that, you know, you'll know that you were responsible. Well, do you know what? The thing is, he, he my mum delivered it to him for me, and he picked it up, he opened it, goes, oh, this is heavy. And he says to his wife, Lena, feel this, it's so heavy. She was struggling. Yeah. Yeah, well, she'll feel it one day, you know. Mm. Uh, well, I'm just... You know, I so don't you want... did your peppers and your... So I, I bought the peppers, and then they had some tuna, line caught, beautiful-looking tuna that was... The last day, so it was half price. Right. So I got some of that because I'd done that in sesame. Did you not seeds. want to just pick some stuff out from around the bins? <laughs> I'll leave that to you. I mean, you know, I, I'm the last day man. You're the sort of beyond edible, <laughs> beyond fit for human <laughs> consumption. That's where you come in, girl. That's how it's so slim. <laughs> you just want to hang around the back, you know, in the dirty little alley at the back there. I at least go to the sort of, you know, end of day fridge with the yellow stickers. Anyway, and I got you some beans, which were on price, was nailed down or something. They were very reasonable. I was actually really, you know, Mr. Careful today. Do you like food shopping? Uh, well, I like the, you know, I know what I can cook. And right. I know I can do the tuna, I know I can do the pepper. I know I can do beans in a really beautiful way. Because it is Chinese New Year. It is. And I thought I would sort of go a bit chinoiserie. Chinoiserie. Chin, no, I say that again? Chinoiserie. Chinoiserie, <laughs> or chinoiserie, as it's often referred to. But, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe for the last 64 years, I've got it wrong, and, and it actually is chinoisie. Chinoisie, there we chinoiserie. go. Chinoiserie. Okay. Anyway, so I have done us dinner. Beautiful. Ready. And we're recording at a different time of day. It's important to have a little reward for when you've done something useful. So mm. now, you were going to set the table. Can you get dressed, for God's sake? No, I didn't bring any clothes today, Daniel. <coughs> Thought it's a bit too hot out there I, today. I noticed you brought your toothbrush, but you know, did anyone see you coming up in the lift? Everyone. Oh my god. Yeah. They'll be talking. Mm-hmm. When Jane comes back, I'll have. I think something. that was a photographer as well. <laughs> <The pack. laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I've done my bit. I went shopping, got stuff at rock bottom prices. Amazing. I've cooked it up into a you know like a, a Chinese style meal. Lovely. Lots of soy sauce just went on the beans. Beautiful. And it's waiting for us when we oh, get... I thought that was sherry you put on there. No, but I put... no that was Madeira. Ah. Oh. My God. Attention to detail. Wow. Yeah. What's the I mean, difference? You, using... <laughs> One comes from Jerez, which is a Spanish place in the south of Spain, and the other comes from Madeira, which is a Portuguese 
island. But apart from that, no difference whatsoever. <laughs> and they use different grapes and different method. And it okay. tastes completely different. And you use one in circumstances where you'd never use the other. But yeah, you know, apart from that, it's the same. <laughs> there we go, Shall I explain listeners. the Solera method to you for making sherry? No, but just so everyone knows that, uh, you know, what's what. And you've got to finish my education, so thank you very much. Yeah, well, it's a... Endless task. That's why we had to resuscitate, <laughs> come back from the dead, the whole show, because I realised that you didn't know much. Even though we talked for 75 hours or something, you know, not much of it had stuck. Oh, no. So here we are again. I mean, I should be charging you, you know, like three grand a year or grand nine year. grand a year. Is that with your 15% like raise? <laughs> it's like an education. That's what they charge people. Uh-huh. Charge a lot of people to come out stupider than they went in, don't they? If they did a lot of those woke courses, mm. or they come out and become a diversity, inclusion, and equity officer to destroy the world. Yeah. Now, um, do you remember last time we were talking about racist statistics? I do. I think that's a bit strong, but basically we were saying how when they when they announce you know disasters. Yeah. They tell you a load of stuff about where the people came from, which I thought was, mm, you know, not too sure about that. Because what they're really saying is, relax, nobody you're likely to know is involved. Yeah. Sort of thing. Where somebody died, somebody got the bad news. We should empathise with them. But what I realised is that in, in my rush to talk about it in terms of, you know, location, where they came from, Mm. I forgot completely to look at it in another dimension. What was that, Daniel? A dimension that is so powerful. Right. And to do with class. Oh, right. And it reminded me, because you mentioned the Titanic, didn't you, in a, in a show recently. I think it was to do with whether Kate Winslet... Oh, yes. ...had her tits out in yeah. Titanic, because yeah. she was sitting for Leonardo DiCaprio as a model. And yeah. I, I'm pretty sure she didn't. Only because I'd have remembered. Right. And secondly, they would have made it into an 18 certificate just by that one thing okay, maybe in was, America. Maybe it was the back of her. Yeah. I think if you would... I'm pretty, do you want to take a bet on it, just whilst we're on the subject? Sure. How much? Uh, we'll go for a fiver. No, no. The, the, the loser strips. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, you wouldn't have to do any work right now. <laughs> Might as well find her right now and you wouldn't have to, you know... Um, yeah, so I realised that class, because when they loaded the Titanic and all these ocean-going liners, mm. there were different classes. Yeah. There were different classes on the trains. I think they had about three classes on the trains. Okay. And they had steerage on the on the boat, on the ships, and and then there was the, like the Astors had a suite of rooms all to themselves with a safe in it and stuff, you know, like elegant drawing rooms. Okay. And so I think the... The likelihood of surviving that disaster mm. was was somewhat based on where you were located, and the cheaper steerage type cabins were down deep down in the bowels below, of the ship. Yeah. And if water was coming in, that was the first one to get flooded. So you were the last. I mean, you were the least likely to survive. I, if you made it up on deck, mm. I don't know whether the you know women and children thing had a class kind of test as well as in if you were you know, a raggedy steerage class person you you got deprioritized for anybody coming up in their finery from first class oh uh, yeah what's that buzz dishwasher yeah 
That's fine. Is it saying fault? No. No. Been trying to do it through a fault code. Oh no. And I keep spraying rinse aid in it. And that's the only way it will work. Oh really? It lubricates it. Okay, good to know. Yeah, F F seventy eight on a melee. Just spray, spray, rinse aid <laughs> before you start the wash. You know, just inside the inside the dishwasher, and it, it's it's fine. But yeah, don't that'll save you a few hundred pounds. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was thinking about you know, and then on aeroplanes. Yeah. You know, they announce where people come from by nationality, but if only they announced whether everyone in first class survived. You know, um, so they could say you know there's terrible crash. Um, what we know about the crash is that everyone in first class got out all right because they were at the front, and uh, most of the people in business got out all right. Was only the people right at the back of the plane. And I think you know it's fine because all my friends and family would be in business class or, or first. Yeah. So it'd be just like not worrying because they didn't mention the nationality. So even if they said British, but you know at the back of the plane, I thought, yeah, well, this is tough, isn't it? Tough yeah. at the back. Um, but I wouldn't worry. So that, that would be another way of assuaging people's fears by knowing roughly what... That's it. But then it also might increase their sales for business and... Uh, do you think, do you think being near the front of the plane means you're more likely to survive? The, the way you're more likely to survive is if you're near an exit mm. um, door. I mean, if the plane's nosediving, I yeah, mean... It's not going to make a lot of difference. No. You'll just have a bad... You're going to be one of the first. You'll have another five... It's a first-class exit. You'll have a five-thousandth of a second to, you know, to, to be conscious before... Yeah. Wouldn't, it wouldn't be much worth it. Do you know that... They, they, you know you can sit in the emergency row, don't you? You can, yeah. And, and um, you usually pay extra for it because it's like extra legroom. Okay. And they're really fussy about you not having any bags or anything because they want you to obstruct the exit in the event of... Well, they have to say in the unlikely event of an emergency. Mm. They, they make you put everything up top. I feel it's a bit more drafty by the exit, right? <laughs> I hope not. It can be colder, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely I'm not colder. Quite sure. Jane, Jane was very unhappy. I put her in the exit row by the window once, and she was really unhappy. No. So I've learned my lesson. But you know they have um, restrictions on who can be in the exit row, by the way. Oh, do they? Yeah, you can't just have any old person. Because in the event of, in the unlikely event of an emergency, what might you have to do? Get up quickly and evacuate. Yeah, what do you have to do? The actual thing you have to do is what? It's you're by the emergency room. Yeah, open the door. Open the door. Right. Yeah, my God, you're hard work. <laughs> Jesus Christ almighty. Can somebody find me somebody with, you know, just a modicum of... Look, all right. Yeah, you're required... To open the door. I didn't know that we're required to open the door. Yeah, there's a bloody big notice there. Oh. If you've ever flown flown with American Airlines or one of those, they they put you through a bit of a you know an in inquisition first. Wow. Do you realise, sir, that in the event of an emergency, you will be required? Can you read the instructions and make sure you're familiar, cognizant? They probably use some long American word. Oh, I didn't with know the that. appropriate activity that you, with which you should you know, occupy yourself. Wow. Basically, mean pull the handle and chuck the thing out. Yeah. Then get out. But I mean, the nearer you are to the exit, generally, the more likely you are to survive. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's a sort of little rule of thumb. Okay. Do, you, do you know that rule of thumb? I do you know, do know the rule of thumb. <laughs> do you know what it means? No. no neither do I, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure it comes from some sort of measurement type thing. Yeah. Where you used your thumb to measure. Approximately an inch. I mean, you know, I use my thumb to measure. I think no, I'm doing way better than my thumb. Ba -bum 
You don't like it when I descend into that, do you? No, I, I do, but I just have to try and keep up. I'm like, oh, he's being quick-witted. I need to be quick. Like, get in it. <laughs> so, so my, actually, there are there are rules about, you know, like I said, and the, each airline has, like, um, a way of knowing. Do you know what an acronym is? Yes. What is it? It's letters used for, to shorten yep. a sentence, yeah. So, in, on British Airways, they use COD PI. Right. Each of those letters is the, a person they can't have in the emergency row. Okay. I'm going to a little test for you, Sarah. Right. You can in, got to come up with some category of person that can't sit in the row, beginning with, let's start with C for COD. Cripple. Oh, my God. You think they use a word like cripple? I mean, that's what they probably mean. Cardiac patient. Think of a less uh, offensive word, somebody that can't be there. Children. A child. Uh, yeah. The other one was a three, four-letter word. That's often... <laughs> what, next, to do with next Tuesday? Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. I don't think they would be using that. I mean, they told me about it, so they would hardly... Anyway, right. right. Children. Oh. So obvious, isn't oh. it? Oh. Oh. Try and be a bit more politically correct this time, would you? OAPs. No, we've got one for that. It's coming up. Right. Oh. Children. Obese. Obese, okay. Yeah. Because they might get stuck in the exit. If they get stuck going out the, the, the window or the door, whatever you call it, and then that's it. Curtains for everybody. Right. Or blinds in the case of a plane. I've got D. What is D? Disabled. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you like how... <laughs> I mean, you've got an I coming up from Cod Pie. Right. So that could be... The same sort of word, couldn't it? Like in... in invalid? Yeah, so you sure D? It could be dangerous. You, anyway, you, you're going with disabled. Yeah. Let's move on to P for pie. Pensioners. No. What else could it be? Prisoner. Prisoner? Yeah, they do escort prisoners on planes. Oh my gosh, I'd never have got that one. I? Uh... Well, it can't be invalid because we've got disabled, but well, since well, we can't well, have disabled. So maybe disabled wasn't right. Oh, invalids. I don't know. Carry on. Intoxicated. Intoxicated. That should be D with drunks. Why do they make it? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I can't remember what's what, I, but cod pie is right. Right. And then E? Exotic dancers. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely right. Actually, you know, if they come on with their boa feathers, you know, then it's just not going to work, is it? <laughs> no exotic dancers. <laughs> and it actually says on the seat, you know, if you're sitting in this row, you should not be an exotic dancer. <laughs> um, fine. So now you understand more about the emergency row yeah. seats. But we, we drifted, as ever, off the subject, which was... Class and aeroplanes and, and survival and everything. Yeah. So, what, oh, you've got something to say. I can I'm see. just trying to recall I what can, I was I can going actually to say. see the wheels and the cogs, the cogs whirring. Yep. Something's happening. Smoke mm. coming from the ears. Carry on talking. It'll, it'll come, come back. On, come on, Sarah. Come on. Five. No, the pressure. Four. It'll come back. Three. I had this thought the other day and I didn't say it and now I've forgotten it and it'll come back again. 
So we've got the emergency exit. <laughs> well, I'm just... Ah, it's come back to me. I hope it was worth the wait. So you can't just change seats on the plane. No. The you, last... can, you can sort of... When everyone's in and they've, they they say, you know, boarded or something, mm. you can try and sneak one in. But then it's best not to order a special meal because it'll be go to, going to the wrong place. Go to the wrong place. Or if you're on a flight that doesn't provide you with that, mm. booked meals. Or, yeah, because you're, you're always on EasyJet, right? Or Ryanair. Or Air New Zealand. Yeah. 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 That put me in my place. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Oh, fancy lady, no, I no, am. No one's been going to New Zealand for about three years. No, but also goes to even, LA. Even that woman, what's her what name, the Prime Minister, Ahern, yeah. who everyone thought was so wonderful, turned out to be an absolute goddamn disaster. Mm. Kept families apart for three years, just did yeah. a ridiculous amount of lockdown. And they love it when they have power, these commies. Yeah. She's a commie. I mean, sometimes people say, oh, having a woman in charge is, is great. And sometimes I'm like, sometimes I've worked with women. I'm like, sometimes I'd rather have a man back in place because then I just use my flirting powers. No, anyhow. But with the seats on the plane, you can't just see an empty room and go, oh, I'm going to take that seat. They're very particular, the uh, attendants on, on yeah, the plane. Yeah, but they have to balance the weight of the plane as well. And also, if there was the unlikely occurrence of... Event, a, unlikely event. A, unlikely say. event of a crash. They don't say occurrence. They should, though, in America, because they like longer words where a short one would have done. So in, I'll give you that. In the unlikely occurrence of what? A crash. <laughs> they, I don't, a they, fatality. They don't say that. Uh, they say an emergency. An emergency. They just imagine if they said in the unlikely event of a crash, <laughs> kiss your ass goodbye. It's harder to track who who's in that seat. So if you're meant to be in row 36... D and you've moved up to the 28. Let me just understand something here. So after a crash, when the whole plane is turned into an absolute jumble of smashed up everything, they're going to worry about you having moved seats in order to identify you. Yeah. You think you'll still be strapped into seat 26C and they'll know that it was 26C, do you? But There'll they can go any... by the register. You think, but then... <laughs> you think there's going to be anything left of the plane? But if Which they, they could use as a reference point. Yes. No, Sarah. No. The only thing that's going to survive is the black box, the flight recorder. That's but all that will survive. If it's to, if it's crashed during takeoff or landing, in the, there's bits of the plane still left. <sighs> Jesus. Give me strength. It's true, Daniel. All right. I'm going to let you have your head here. Explain to the public. Not the public. <laughs> to, our, to our very tidy audience who actually... Smaller by the minute, I would think. Yeah, how this works. How you go into it. You're, you're a crash scene investigator. Oh, it's like checking no, in. No, no, okay. no. I'm being tough on you because I've been too nice. You're on a crash scene investigator, Sarah. You come to the crash. It failed to make takeoff and crashed the other side of the runway. Okay. Now what? It burst into flames, by the way, and then destroyed the entire plane. Right. Yep, now what? Then we're going on dental records. <laughs> so, if there's any left. Yeah. So you think that the, the fact you you were found in 26C or, or moved to 28F is going to make a difference? Well, there will be the frame, the metal framework right, look, left look, look, of the seats. I'm just going to have to end this. Daniel. The seats don't have the number on them. It's on the bloody row above you on yes, the locker. for us it is. But the layout right, it's, of it's the terrible. plane... I'm not going to indulge this any further. It's just, it's, <laughs> It's just too nuts. Listen, no, can no, you understand no. what I'm no, saying? The no, metal I don't. framework. No, I don't understand anything. I'm going to look this up, Daniel, and prove you wrong. Fine.
Do it in your own time, please. <laughs> Not during the podcast. Honestly. There is sense. No, stop. Stop right now. Or I will call an accident investigator onto the show. And well, you'll have to deal with them. They'll right. know that I'll sit in here. Now, now, we're talking about surviving. Well, you, actually, one thing that you can talk about, and I, I realised when I listened back to the previous one, is I didn't allow you your head in this, is there's that film about people that go on planes and cheat death. Oh, yes, the final destinations. Yeah, talk, talk to me. Get your chin. Get your hand off your chin. You can't. Right. Now what? Final destination. What's that all about? <clears throat> well, people missing their death when it was served to them. Cheating their death? Yes. By doing what? By moving seats? Moving seats or... Uh, missing the plane? Missing the planes one. There's... Oh, I mean, it's been several years this since This is going I've back into this. our discussion about fate, is it? Yes. You can't avoid your fate. You or if can't. you do, only for a little bit. Yeah. It'll catch up with you. You're living on borrowed time. Yes. How many... Movies have they made on this? What was it called? Terminal Velocity? Final Destination. I think that's about <laughs> four. I see. So presumably each time they have some people that they need to finish off in the next film. Yeah. So they leave you with a kind of cliffhanger. Yeah. You know they're going to get it though, don't you? You do. Do they get it on another plane or in some bizarre accident? Another A bizarre accident. There's some way of polishing them off. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. I quite like that. It's kind of like tidy. Mm. For a tidy mind, you know, that you cheat. I mean, so you, when you miss in, in our role play, right. the mad taxi driver caused you to miss your plane, which crashed, you'd have been done in some other way. That's it. Yeah. The taxi driver then run me over. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not very funny. It isn't, is it? It's dark, it's, stark it's, comedy. No, it doesn't, it's not got any of the elements of humour when you think about it. But I mean, it, it, was, it was you were just laughing because you were kind of nervous about talking about being done over. No, it is funny because... You just found it awkward and embarrassing. Well, it wasn't funny in, in any taxi conventional driver... sense of the word. I mean, it didn't trick the audience. It didn't lead them, misguide them. It didn't wordplay. There wasn't Could any double entendre. you survived a plane flight because the taxi driver wasn't... Was, was left you at the airport too late. Yes. Yeah. And then you see the taxi driver again and you thank him... For making you late and missing the flight that you would have died on. And then as you walk off and he's reversing out of his spot, he hits you and goes, <laughs> that's, that's some dark comedy there. There's some humour. There are cases of people that have killed family members in their own driveway by reversing and not looking properly. Oh. I mean, you know, they say the most dangerous bit of road is what? You know, they have black okay. spots on, on roads saying that, you know, how many fatalities and whatever. Right. And that's kind of like a general thing, you know, like a bad, you know, a blind curve or a hill that crests and people overtake, not realising, whatever. Yeah. But what actually, for every individual, is the most dangerous road? I mean, whatever I say is going to be wrong. Yeah. I'm going for a crossroad. Yeah. <laughs> You're right in a way, because the French, who are great... You know, great philosophy. Great philosophers, actually, the French. Right. They have noticed, for instance, that most accidents occur whilst they are at an intersection. Right. So what do they do? 
they drive across as quickly as possible. <laughs> so they're not there for very long. Oh, no. Because the longer they're there, the more likely they are to have an accident, yeah? Mm. No, I mean, actually, um, what are we talking about? The most dangerous part. Yes, yes. yes. It's, it's, the, it's the last half mile to your house. Oh. Because you're too familiar with it. Right. You just sort of, you know, you've hardly got going. You haven't really settled down. Still fiddling with the radio or connecting your phone or whatever you do. Getting yeah. the heat right. Deciding whether you need a hot or low arse from <laughs> the heated seats. Or, you know, it's lots of fiddly, fiddly things. But also, you're over-familiar with the road. And that's, that's when you're going to have the accident. Right. Yeah. That's when you'll need the jaws of life, mm -mm. which we discussed. Indeed. So... Point being, yeah, that um, well, we, we were trying to make this about class. What do you remember about Titanic and the classes of, of ticket on the um, Titanic? The class of the ticket. I mean, how many how many places do they have for on the lifeboats on the Titanic? Do you remember in relation to the number of passengers? Oh gosh, I think there was something what eighty people per boat. Not even that, because they didn't you even mean 80 fill... people. You could fit 80 people in the lifeboats, but they didn't fill them up to capacity. Yeah, but out of, let's say, there were 3,000 people on the, on the... On the ship. How many, even if they filled them to capacity, could they get in lifeboats? No. Not was it 3,000? No. It was like 1,200 or something. You know, at best, you couldn't get everybody off. Mm. Now, we're going to have a little role play. I'm the ship designer... Okay, and Daniel, you're... you know you need to write script for this. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm the designer, and you are our journalist who's concerned about safety on the Titanic. Okay. Okay. Do you want to do it that way around? So you can ask me some questions. All right. Uh, hello, Sarah. Hello, thank you for joining. Uh, I just wanted to ask you a few questions about this amazing new ship. Yeah, it is really incredible, isn't it? So... Is it safe? Is it safe? Absolutely. Made to the... Double-skinned hull, so that even if the outer hull is penetrated, the inner hull is safe. And how was that tested? Um, well, it's just the design, really. It wasn't, hasn't been tested, but it's just normal physics. You know, that if, if you have a double hull and the first, the outer skin is, is, is ruptured by, let's say, an iceberg, right. that could happen, then you're still safe because you have a second skin. And, and then the other thing is we have watertight compartments. Right. So even if water comes in... It's sealed between two bulkheads, so it can't go down the whole length of the ship. And in... Actually, correction, I don't think the Titanic did have a double skin. Oil tankers do, however. Right. Okay. Huge oil tankers, so, but it did have sealed compartments. Okay, yeah, so hopefully that answers your question, Sarah. Thank you. If there was a event where... And were, I think you mean it's the subjunctive. If there were... If there were... An event. An event. Yep. An un unlikely, you mean? An unlikely a event. <laughs> Where you hit an iceberg. Oh, we hit an iceberg. You, yep. How long do you have to... Evacuate? Well, evacuate, yes. Or is there a procedure that will keep well, the ship afloat? Well, the ship would only sink if there was a running gash down a long length of the ship so that the watertight compartments weren't enough to hold the water because it just went into too many of them. It would, would sink okay. eventually. It would take a bit of time, but it would sink. And what precautions do you have for your 
the safety of your passengers? Um, lifeboats, of course. Okay, how many lifeboats do you have? Um, I think, well, there's enough for 1,200 people. 1,200 people? If they're full, yeah, if they're full. Yeah. And how many people fit on the ship? Um, passengers about n- and Nearly 3,000. Right, so who's done the maths here? Because <laughs> to me that sounds like there's not enough lifeboats. I'm not the sharpest tool in the box, but something doesn't quite add up here. Yeah, I mean, the way we saw it mm. was that this was extremely unlikely that there would ever be a need for the lifeboats, you see. Right. They're almost there sort of like for decoration, a bit like when we go out for the evening and you're on my arm, you know? Yes. I mean, you're not useful. You're just decorative. <laughs> just... <laughs> okay. I mean, actually, you know, people might say, why haven't you got a girl on each arm? And I said, well, you know, it's just, just for decoration, yeah. really. So, like tonight, you're going to be decorative for me, aren't you? Okay, so the ships are just... the safe well, light. Bleh. Well, they're just a, just a private a sort of reassurance for the, for the passengers that, you know... And which passion, passengers will... Be put on the lifeboat. No, but you, you're missing the point, Sarah. They're never going to be used. You They're see? never going to be used because yeah, we have built this amazing ship, and it's going to be. You know, we have lookouts and, and so forth, and you know everything's controlled, so we're not going to hit that iceberg, right? That you're talking about, and so none of this is ever going to be needed. But you know, yeah, we just put some. Put, you know, we actually use the space for sort of more entertainment areas for the for the uh, for the passengers, and we didn't think we needed to fill up all that space with lifeboats for god's sake and they're just there as kind of reassurance okay may as well have not had them then yeah yeah except people might say you know what if and they don't they can't do the maths no they can't see how many spaces there are they just sort of see their lifeboats and think well yeah okay there's some lifeboats but you're right i mean if 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 the ship were to sink it really means like um 1800 people aren't going to get off the ship no yeah and how will you live with yourself? Well, you probably won't be living if this ship goes down. Because... No, I'm just a designer. I, I never intend to travel it. It's absolute... Oh, okay. You have yeah. no desire to leave, <laughs> especially on a ship. You, you, you might ask me, you know, I mean, it's a bit weird, isn't it? As you say, you either have enough for everybody mm. or you don't bother. I mean, just having like half the right number. And a bit like saying on the plane, you know, half of you can get off. Yeah. The other half have to stay on. I mean, why, why, would, you, why would you do that? Why would you it's do that? It's a bit that? illogical. It's very illogical. Sometimes you just have to ask those questions. I don't think anyone ever did ask, you see. No. Um, they just believed in this invincibility of this ship. Mm. And that's when it all went wrong, of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, but I was asking a question about how your ticket class affected your chances of survival. Wow. Because in ships... It was definitely a case of the the lower the ticket class, the lower you physically were in the boat. Yeah. In the ship. So there's no, you've got a long way to climb to get out, especially. And the water will get down there first. Mm. On the plane, there's always these jokes about turning left as you enter the plane, or turning right, isn't it? Oh yeah. If you turn left, you're going to the higher class seats. If you're turning right, you're going to. They still call it steerage, and some people call it steerage, which is a reference to the old boat trade. Down the back of the plane, down you know. Um, I mean, you actually mentioned that you had a, a bad landing at Gatwick coming back from Nice with EasyJet. But were you right at the back of the plane? I was. Yeah, you, know, you feel things more at the back. You feel that swaying. Yeah. Planes flex quite a lot. They're not sort of rigid. They 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 give quite a lot. 
the, the wings flip up and down, mm. the fuselage flexes. So when you're at the back, you can feel that, that movement. A lot more. A lot more. So it feels more scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. But I mean, yeah, for some reason, people, um, you know, all the, all the posh seats are on the left and you come in nearer the front anyway. So, yeah. And I wonder what the survival rates are if you are lying on a bed in business or upper, whatever you want to call it, or ship, whichever it is. Everyone's dead, Sarah, sorry. I mean, the difference is you die but if in your bed, which is actually a lot of people's dream. Yeah. Is to die in their bed. Very few people want to die in a stiff seat with their knees pressed up against um, somebody reclining their seat in the row in front of them. That, that's not most people, but dying in your bed. I mean, dying in your bed, yeah. That's what most people want. But say the plane didn't go up in flames. In the unlikely event, you mean? Yeah. And it's just taken... Do you know how planes fly? Do you know what, what fuel they use? I don't know what fuel they use. They but... use kerosene. Okay. It's aviation grade petrol, if you like. Okay. And uh, do you know how combustible it is? Highly. Yes. Highly. Yes, that's what we'd say on the You tip. know when they have a cracking tower, when they separate oil into the various levels of fuel and oils and things, the lighter it is, the more combustible it is. Kerosene's right at the top. But please just humour me. Okay, let's say a car. A car that goes into a bed based on a plane. It's a plane-shaped car. If you're lying down, would the impact of crashing... I really think I'm regretting. <laughs> Just humour how oh, my no, no, brain no, no, works. No, 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 I'm regretting that we ever <laughs> gave you any physics education whatsoever. If the impact of your your feet took the impact first, okay, you're going to have some oh, broken right, so legs. Let me, let me get this right. So you're dying because your feet crush. So I'm first. just wondering how much of you is going to be identifiable from the people who were seated and oh, took that impact... On. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I honestly, please stop, stop right now. I'm serious. I'm not actually doing this for the show. I mean, you have to stop. Everyone is going to be engulfed in a huge, massive disaster, and it, if you stop something travelling at three hundred miles an hour or five hundred miles an hour immediately, the shock of it will cause will atomize. I said we're coming away from the plane. What are you talking about? I'm just saying, if you if you take an impact whilst reclining, Sarah, please stop. Please, I, I, will, I will get you an aviation crash inspector, investigator, and you can talk to him or her. But I we're not discussing we're not this in the anymore. Plane now anymore. we're back on the class aspects of this, and I want to know if when they announce disasters on planes, right, it would help you or me or anyone to know what. Not just which nationalities were on board, but what class of travel they were on. Because I made the point that, you know, my friends travel on the left. Right. As they go in. Yeah. So if, if we found out that, you know, people at the front of the plane um, survived, you know, I'd be thinking, oh, yeah, that's a bit like hearing that there weren't any Brits on board or something. Right. Just a similar level of reassurance that they could give. So they could have a, a racist approach, which is, you know, nationality. Well. To be honest with you, that's not really racist, but you know, it's it's sort of it's, there are elements of of that. Like a, a British life is worth more than a life of you know, let's say a South African or something, just to pick a country. Okay. If you're British, right? 
If you're a South African, it's the other way around. Yeah. You know, you're more, you're more concerned, you have more value on a South African life than a British life, and it's more likely to affect you. And I'm just making the same point that you can, you can make the same argument for the class of travel. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So we, we don't get that, though. They, they only give you the nationality, not the class of travel. But then on the plane... I mean, if they said 100 people in economy, and yeah. no, you know, three in business and none in first class died, then you'd have some reference point. I, I, I'm really making the point that there are some crashes where people do walk away. Yeah. I mean, what's that flat plane that landed on water you know, in the Hudson? Oh, yes. Uh, they made a film about it, didn't they, with Tom Hanks? Is that right? Yes, they did, yes. I can't remember what the plane, the film was called, but then they also did a musical version of the plane that went... Where? What, they, they diverted it, didn't they? And they had to land in some weird place, weird-named place near Canada. Come from a ways, a musical. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, actually, I think I know about that. Yeah. But so, yes, and then there are times when, when you know, the, not all is lost. Mm. That's true. That's true. But then in which case, you know, the plane won't be destroyed. Yeah. If the plane is, is totally destroyed, you know, then whether you were lying down, doing cartwheels, an exotic dance, or <laughs> sitting in the emergency row or right at the back, it really will make very, very, very little difference. Don't argue. I'm telling you. I'm not going to argue. I'm actually afraid to speak because... But what about on a train? Because ah. you don't turn left or right on a train and That's sometimes good. they move where the first class carriage is. Now, it's pretty obvious that there's a, there's one way of making sure you're much safer on a train that you can't do on a plane for some reason. They don't do it that way. What is the thing you can do on a train just to sort of improve your chances of survival in the event of a unlikely event of a crash? I'm not sure. It's Travel to do with... backwards? Yes, yes. Really? Yes, because think about it. When something stops very quickly... I'm so tempted to be silly, but I'm going you're to refrain. You're doing well. No, no, if you can work it for the humour, I don't mind if you have a silly answer. But just a totally ridiculous <laughs> answer. No. Okay. So on the so train, if you, if you, you travel, travel facing, then, Yeah, and then if there was a sudden... It stopped suddenly for some yeah. you know, crash, basically. You would be held in place. I mean, you'd probably be killed by the person opposite you, mm. flying at you <laughs> at incredible speed. So the best thing to do is to have a backward-facing... See, with nobody directly facing you. Which most people don't want. They don't like travelling backwards. Well, that's why they don't turn the seats around on planes. Because, you know, on planes, it would be definitely better if they were backward facing. Right. But they never do that oh. for some reason. Because people don't want to sit down that way around, like you were just saying. Yeah. I mean, the, the difference is when you're looking at the world going by out the window, you see trees and sheep and God knows what. You mm. know, there's something to see. But when you're on a plane, once you get up there, doesn't really make a whole lot of difference, does no. it? I mean, not many people spend their time looking out the window feeling motion sickness because the the, the ground looks like it moves very slowly at 500 miles an hour and 30,000 feet. Yeah. Hardly, it's hardly noticeable. So it's really quite weird. I mean, it's one of those things where no one does it, but it would make sense. In fact, they should be charging a premium for that. You know, when they, when they price up the seats... Right. You know, each seat has got a price on it these days, hasn't it, pretty much? Especially with EasyJet. Yeah. So then a backward-facing seat, you know, I like one of them, might actually walk out the plane. I mean, the brace position. Do you know where they are backwards? In business class. That's true. Yeah. Because you yeah, can... I mean, you can't even see out the window in those seats. They're sort of away from yeah. the window. But you can see your partner if you're sat. By the way, there are incredible views from planes, which 
people don't look at enough. I came back from Israel mm. recently, um, and if you looked at the left-hand side, you could see the moon. Right. And if you looked at the right-hand side, you could see a sunset with incredible colours. It was like it was like two different views that shouldn't be capable of being seen at the same time. But you were actually watching both sides of that, you know, of that incredible event. And I actually had to, I wanted to share it with somebody because I was travelling alone. And it just sounded there was a beautiful model. Actually, she later explained to me she was a model. Ah, oh, if you were in the, in the emergency the, row, you might have got an exotic dancer or a cod pie. <laughs> um, so she was the other, I was in the island, she was the other side. And I, I said to her, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but if you look out you know, that side, you can see the moon, and, and on the right, you can see, and she was taking pictures. She did, actually did a video when she swung from the left to the right, so you could see it was one thing. Oh, yeah. Nobody would have believed it. If you'd just taken two pictures, they'd say, well, yeah, what is that? Yeah. You took one, you know, hour, hours before the other. But mm. the video, and I was in the video, oh. hopefully... Did she tag you? <laughs> <laughs> she should have. She told me she had seven bags on board. Oh no! I think this seven is what? bags of what? Clothes. Cocaine. Clothes. Oh. I mean, she was talking about Balenciaga and people. And I said, "Well, that's a child molesting organisation, isn't it?" And she agreed. You had to get rid of her stuff. Mm. Um, so there we are. I mean, the you know, plane, the trains. Yes, sorry. You moved us on to trains. I did. What did you want to say about trains? Well, I was just saying, if uh, the first-class carriage gets moved... Yeah, the first-class isn't normally, like, just a carriage. It's even parts of... Actually, it's in... Are they up the front, the first-class, generally? It depends. Yeah. Could it be the front, but then maybe the train is leaving the station and then the first-class is going to be found out of the back of the the train Mm. and then sometimes they say it's at the front of the train, so they're walking along... Yeah, they don't. They, they want to pamper the first class people to have them walk less. Mm. Depends where you get on and where you get off, of yeah. course. And, you know, Sometimes you know, it can be in the middle. Are you cold? A little bit, but it's okay. Yeah, I could put the heating on. It's all right. I'll just put my clothes back on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think class is, um, it, you know, needs to be added to the the list of things yeah survivability of crashes that would be an, an interesting statistic i mean the the other thing that you might sometimes need to have with you is a little hammer to break the windows yes because you know if you could be trapped by the windows you could you used to be able to get those hammers from the buses yeah but then yeah, people would steal them would they i, I recall seeing a few in the house when i was younger I was like, jane jane always used to whenever we had a car she'd always get us a hammer Right. Which had a seatbelt cutter on the other side. So if you have, oh. if you've not watched all these movies where people crash, yeah, and you have to cut the seatbelt because somehow it gets locked. Right. And then you you know you you know that if you're going down underwater, you have to just wait till you're fully under before, and the pressure equals inside and out. Oh. You can't open the door right. if there's air inside and water outside. Did you know that? No. Yeah, the pressure of the water. Pushing the door shut means you won't be able to open. So what you have to do is open a window yeah, or a door, let the water come in. And when it fills the car, the pressure on the outside of the car and the inside of the car will be equal. Cool. You really, you know, if you'd spent more time learning physics at school, yeah, we could have had a lot easier time with this. Then it wouldn't be so stressful for you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I assume, you know, a basic level of scientific understanding. But if you've watched a lot of movies... And I'm sure you have. Well, I certainly have. 
quite a lot of those scenes where the water is coming in, you, you, you know, you have to wait till the water, and you have to be ready. So you take your last gasp, huge lungful of air, yeah. as it fills up to the roof and your head is being submerged, keep the, keep the air, open the door, the door now open, head for the surface. That's the way to do it. So we might end up saving somebody's life here. We've got cod pie. Yeah. And so you, you know not, not to, to bother sitting in the emergency row if you're any of those people, although we might have got that a bit wrong, mightn't we? No, but we've given them the general gist. I that I'm not sure if O was obese. But it could Overweight? Be. <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. I know, but it? It, is it a bit softer than... I think there might have been something else for O. Anyhow, um, basically, don't sit by the emergency door if you don't think you can open the emergency door. Yeah, you've got to be ready to act. And we talked about how people don't always do the right thing in an emergency. Mm. So even though you might not be any of the cod pie restrictions, are you the person that's going to panic? You know, I mean, I remember we were taking off on one plane and the lady in the emergency row was asleep. We weren't in it, but right. we could see her. Jane called over the stewardess and she, you know, she's asleep. She's not going to be able to do her job. Get up, wake her. The stewardess wouldn't wake her. Oh. And I thought, no, you have to wake her. She can't sit in that seat. And, you know, maybe, was there one for a sleep? No, cod pie. Cod pie. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, funny, I've forgotten what it is now, but um, EasyJet had a different thing. Not quite cod pie. Something similar. Mm. Um, in order to... You know, their acronym. Maybe I'll they had to look that up. Well, they don't tell you. It's only because I was charming and, and persuading oh, the stewardess okay. to, to reveal all, you see, that she, she even told me about cod pie. Oh, and you know. were hoping she was revealing something else, weren't you, Daniel? <laughs> Talking about that, we were in Bill's the other day. Right. And it was quite awkward, wasn't it? What was awkward, Daniel? The revealing business. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, this girl turned up with little more than a bra in fact i think that's all it was it's more of a uh cropped corset <laughs> well okay but she was extremely well built and i mean i could have got lost in there mm. i mean i could have been rummaging around for the shopping in there what surprised me was that two women came in wearing very little you would have thought it was the height of summer i think what happened is they saw me in the window and they, you know, they thought, well, well, we'll just pop in here and have lunch here. Yeah. Because, you know, people are influenced by what they think is where a place they'll be, you know, they'll fit in. And they, they see really cool, trendy, moody, you know, attractive people sitting in a prominent position. They think, well, you know what, I think we should try Bill's. Okay. But it's only because I'm there. So, you know, oh. they, they always try and put people like that in a prominent place. I see. So that they act as a sort of magnet for, for girls with enormous so you, tits. They weren't thinking that, oh, look, there's a top-heavy guy. We're top-heavy ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go join them. <laughs> no? That's very funny, Sarah. That's, that's hilarious. It, it was trying to be funny, but then I also felt a little bit offensive. <laughs> so the, um, do you know how gravity works? Yes, it just pulls down. <laughs> explain to me why things reach terminal velocity terminal velocity means when you drop something mm. it accelerates towards the earth yeah. it's faster and faster but at some point it reaches a, a speed and it can't get any faster right do you know why 
it's reached terminal velocity. Yes, but what is the other force acting on it to cause it to stop accelerating towards the Earth? To stop it accelerating towards the Earth? Well, you know, the gravity wants to accelerate it towards the Earth. Yeah. That's 9.8 metres per second squared. That's what gravity is. Do you know about that? Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Sure you do. I I went... I know what gravity is. Yes, but, but what's, what's the force that gravity is meeting that causes the terminal velocity to happen? Otherwise, it would just keep accelerating towards the Earth, wouldn't it? Well, the ground gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> it does, though. Can you pass me a Kleenex, please? <laughs> if something drops, it stops because the ground's in the way or something. That's nothing to do with the terminal velocity. Oh, All well, the I way down, know. it's at the same speed because of the pressure of the air. Ah. It's pushing against the air. Right. And at a certain point, the 9.8 metres per second squared is equaled by the air pressure. Do you know how air pressure works? I think so. (laughs) You know when you use a suction cup? Yes. If you look out there, there's a bird feeder held on the glass of the window. You wet the end of it, yeah. By suction. Explain the force of suction to me. What's going on there? There's a two-way force happening there. A push and a pull. Shall I explain it to you? Yes, please. Right, so what happens is when you squeeze out the air, it's a bit like the car we talked about, right? Yeah. When the air is in the car and the water's outside, you can't open it. When, when you equalise the pressure yeah. when water's in the car, when you squeeze out the air mm. with the suction cup, so there's nothing there, Yeah. what happens is the pressure of the air itself is, applies itself to the outer part of the suction cup and forces it against the glass. Do you know what the power of air pressure is? No. No, you don't. I'm going to get, carry on. It's 15 pounds oh, per no, square inch. That. So if you take a square inch of, of surface, yeah. it's 15 pounds. That's a huge amount. That is a huge amount. That's like six kilos per square inch on you, everywhere. So what's holding that bird feeder in place is six kilos on every square inch of suction cup space. Six kilos. That's the... The weight of the air in the atmosphere. But have you put a bit of uh, support around it? I've put a string on it. Yes. So that if it were to fall, the terminal velocity (laughs) would be quite low because it would just dangle off the end of the string rather than crashing to the ground. The suction on a suction cup. Yeah, it can lose its suction. Mm. And then the air gets in and it equalises the pressure on both sides and it falls off. I remember we were doing um, suction or vacuum at school. Yeah. And there were these two Magdeburg hemispheres. And it's basically like a, imagine something like a coconut cut in half. Yeah. And you could attach them together, the two halves, and suckle the air out. And they had a handle on each side, right? Okay. And so you would suckle the air out, and then you would give one half to the strongest boy in the class, and the other half to the teacher. And they would try and pull them apart. And they couldn't because of the pressure. Was so you know it was huge. Mm, Fifteen. I mean, you know, six kilos. Maybe there was like ten square inches. So it would be like sixty trying to move sixty kilos. Wow. And so that's just air. That's just the air pressure. In two ends of a coconut. It wasn't actually a coconut. I'm just saying. Imagine. Oh, imagine actually, it was. A... They were actually brass hemispheres that right. you could put together. And then suck the air out from the inside, and then air pressure was holding it together. Mm. And it was impossible to open them. It's a bit like that when you have a jar 
that you can't open. You, what you do is you lever the top a bit when you hear the air comes in, doesn't it? Yeah. And so then you what, can open it easily. But then why did some people pat the bottom of it? Well, you're trying to get some air into it. Right. So it's all about equalising the pressure both sides. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know why we're getting into this subject. You Maybe it is homespun wisdom. It though. is, yeah. It's uh, how it goes. It goes roundabout. We start off on something. We end up going somewhere else. I well, get but told this is off. Useful. Then <laughs> <laughs> this is useful if you have a Chappaquiddick type incident. That was the, the Kennedy case where he, he drove off um, a jetty with a beautiful blonde, not his wife. Uh, After leaving a party, he was drunk. And he left the car and didn't go back for her and she died in the car. And oh. it was the Chappaquiddick incident. Gosh. Her name was Mary Jo something. She was, she was very beautiful. And we talked earlier about how when a beautiful woman dies, mm. for some reason that's considered worse than when somebody less beautiful dies. Yeah. So we've got the three things. We've got, we've got where you come from. Yeah. Which class you were travelling. Yeah. And how pretty you were. Yes. And so, you know, the perfect announcement for me... Or if you weren't pretty but you came from a good family what university you went to <laughs> so what what sort of crash announcement are we are we you know working our way towards here that would give people the sort of information daniel Confino, I mean, british resident ex uh he's what was it cambridge alumni 64 years old. You used to wear like alumni. That's kind of impressive. Check you can spell it later. <laughs> I can. <laughs> uh, Cambridge alumni, 64 years old, from the borough of Greenwich, was amongst the passengers... Well, this isn't very nice. ...of Emirates Airlines. That survived. <laughs> That's One a... of the very few that survived. He travelled in, in... First class. <laughs> in business, because he could claim it on his expenses. <laughs> You're not really getting the point here, Sarah. The point I'm making is that people, but, you know, pe people's reaction to a, a shocking news. But that makes it softer because they go, "Oh, he was 64. You've got that age. He lives in the borough of Greenwich." Oh, it's How, a nice how's my place. university got anything to do with this? Because they go, "Oh, he's a well-educated man, and he was travelling in business class." So you're saying if, if somebody he's was, not a hard-up man. Okay, so you're saying that if they took the passenger list, yeah. And there was a couple of professors, you know, mm. or somebody like that. They shaped people's lives. You know, somebody that, that maybe had a Nobel Prize. Yeah. And they died in the crash. That would be, like, worse than if just some, you know, IT programmer died. Is that what you're saying? Or maybe the IT programmer I mean, went to, isn't there this rule like, in, Durham or somewhere? In so. death, we're all equal. Isn't that what they say? Yes, but you're saying, what if what we knew about the person, what we know about the person, affects our... Yes, I'm saying that your reaction to the news can be affected by, you know, where they came from, mm. and you think, oh, well, that doesn't bother me, you know, or it does bother me, and then I'm saying you could be, and we're just having a bit of fun here about, you know, which class they were travelling, Yeah, it's not really a very likely thing, no. and then something about, you know, the, the prominent people or the beautiful people. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, so when, um, what was her name? Uh Oh dear! Try and give me a clue. It's an actress, who, right? Who crashed in Monaco? Oh, uh, Grace Kelly. Yes. Yeah. She came off the road, didn't she? Yeah. I think there was a brake failure in her oh. rover. Oh. Always had dodgy brakes that rover because it had onboard discs at the back. So they weren't on the wheel; they were in the axle. Oh. 
um, because it had a D on rear axle. It was quite complicated, you know, a bit of engineering. Mm. And it failed coming down a hill in Monaco, and she died, didn't she? Now, if, if somebody else had died, you know, in a, in a road crash of any description, yeah. you were actually going to get rid of me by cutting my brake lines, weren't you? That was one of your fantasies. I mean, someone just gave me. What do you it. mean? It's, you disgust. <laughs> it's not my you fantasy. Disgust. I, I you disgust. You disgust cutting my brake lines as a way of getting rid of me. <laughs> so actually, that's what happened to Grace Kelly. Yeah. Poor girl. She was very beautiful. And so was her beauty, fame, mm. and lifestyle. Does that make it worse? That's what I'm trying to. That's what, that's what we're getting at here. Is every are we all equal in death, or in fact, are some deaths more tragic? than others and yeah so answer that Sarah I think we no, are all no knowledge, no knowledge of physics is required to answer this I believe we are all but you are under pressure equal in death but the amount of people who knew you whilst you were alive have an impact of how tragic it was because more people are sharing that loss than just but if no one knew you... Well, I, I can't let this conversation develop without mentioning Diana mm. and the absolute traumatic, nation-stopping effect that her death had. Yeah. I mean, you know, can you think of anything even remotely comparable? I mean, I hate to make comparisons, but it was, it was more, well, maybe... You know, I remember it better or differently, but it, it was the most, you know, the hugest outpouring of grief mm. I've ever seen. Yeah. What about you? Do you remember it? I do. Where were you? Uh, I was at school. No. Hang on. I'd woke. I was getting waking up for school, and Mum had came in and said, "Oh, Princess Diana's died," and I thought I was dreaming. And I uh, went to school and they had it on in the technology department. They had the news on on the TV and it's like, gosh, this is quite quite surreal that this news is out there constantly just going round. But then, is it more tragic because she was in the public eye? Well, yeah. If she was another royal that we don't really hear of, we just go, oh, someone in the royal family is dead. Yeah, well... I don't know. I mean, I, we're exploring this. Mm. You know, I mean, she didn't have her seatbelt on. No. She had a drunk driver in yeah. a dodgy Mercedes. Well, right. without her proper detail. Because she believed in all these conspiracy theories about how hated she was. Right. And the palace wasn't giving her proper protection. So she dispensed with her normal crew and yeah. went with these dodgy people. Right. The Mohammed Al-Fayed, Dodi Al-Fayed crew. Mm. Had a drunk driver three times over the limit. Managed to crash the car in. It's still a shrine in Paris. Have you been there? You, I haven't. In the no. underground pass at the the Alba. Is it the Alba Bridge or something? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a very nice place to choose. You know, mm. a concrete pillar in an underground, in an underpass, but that's where it happened. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think I think we have really decided that, you know, unfortunately, it isn't just. It, it, there is a numbers game, and mm. then there's a kind of looking for the beautiful women, which seems to be more tragic. 
I think it's because I'm, you know, I'm horribly honest on this podcast, Sarah. Right. You a are. lot of a lot of men think, oh dear, you know, I could have made her happy. And now she's dead. Yeah. I actually had that feeling. Um, it's quite awkward for me to talk about this, but, you know, I work with international people. Yeah. And in Spain, the people I worked with, there was a guy there, I'm not going to give any names, who was I got on incredibly well with. I'd stayed with him as a friend, and he had a really lovely daughter. I actually thought, Samuel, that would be perfect for you. Mm. She would be perfect for you. And then his entire family died in a road crash. What? Yeah, all five of them, plus a friend who they were taking away for the weekend. Like six people in one vehicle. And that's by far the worst news I've ever had involving a crash or a a disaster of that sort. I met them all. Mm. I taught the kids negotiating theory. Yeah, his father was very upset with me because the pocket money went up, and we had a laugh, you know, about it. Yeah. Then I had to think about them all being gone, and then when I spoke to Jane about it, she we we had this sort of discussion. It was was weird about well, if they're all gone, it's kind of like I don't know. It's like is that almost better than if two are left or some remnants of a family? I don't know. It's it's not a nice subject. No. But it is something that haunts me to this day. Yes, because you'd met them. You had that personal connection. Yeah. So as I was saying, we're all equal, but whether we've met someone or we know about their life, it yeah. makes the tra- it makes the misfortune but, tragic. Yes. But people feel they know uh, actors mm. in the parts they play. They've they got to... Attack them, don't they, for, yeah. for, oh, for yeah. what they did in a, in, a, in a drama. Yeah. You know, as if it was them doing it in their real lives. And that, that kind of warped area between real life and, 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 and inhabiting a role mm. is so convincing for people. Some people, some actors are so good and convincing at inhabiting the role. And I remember Samuel, who loved The Sopranos, couldn't take it when, what's his face, the actor, John... What's his name? I don't know. I didn't watch his part. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Anyway. But anyhow, he was, what was when wrong? He, when when he, he was played Tony in, okay. the, in uh, Sopranos. No, so Gandolfini. Isn't his name John Gandolfini? Anyway, you don't know. But anyway, when he when he was in another film, in a different role, and oh. didn't play, wasn't Tony, wasn't you know a stand-up guy, Samuel would get really upset. Come on, Tony, you fucking hell. You shouldn't be letting this happen. You know, no. but, but he's got... John Galvolfini playing Tony, not allowing him to be somebody else who might be a bit of a wimp. Yeah. And not doing, not behaving in the way that, anyway. Look, he was committed to that character. I think, I think that, that strays off the brief a bit. Like, you know what, Sarah? Mm. Are you ready for some dinner or you, do you want to I go to the, up some... the creek? Up the creek or dinner? Oh, I need some dinner first. Can't have you slaving away with those peppers. It's all and cold. The... It's all cold? Yeah. Oh gosh, we better pop the kettle on as well then. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think, you know, I mean, we started this conversation just because I wanted to mop up a little bit after yeah. you know, the previous one and just make sure class got a look in. I, mean, I don't know what we've been talking about, but it's last well, I, I an got hour. To, I got told off for at least 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> yes, please do not rely on any uh, statement of fact or presumed fact that Sarah may have um, contributed during this show. Do not rely 
upon anything she said in an emergency. Just pay attention to what I said, uh, especially about getting out of car cars in, in, in underwater situations. Oh, yeah, that's very handy. And sir. reverse travel on trains. Yeah, I mean, I'd give, I gave that tip. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, sort mm. of. Anyway, it's been a real joy, Sarah. Do you Has it? So you don't off? want me to mention jumping in feet first or going face first? No, I think we can, <laughs> we can just skip that for now. Okay, <laughs> everyone. I'm going to continue winding up Daniel here. And you can join us next time on Homespun Wisdom Talks with My Neighbour. Ciao for now. Bye. Bye.